Hi, good afternoon everyone. Very warm welcome to this session. Well done for hanging in Sunday afternoon. Um, as you know, we're going to be discussing the BAFTA-winning humans. Can I just see, can I just get a show of hands of who's seen humans, either series one or two? Oh, brilliant. Well Great. Okay. Um, we're extremely lucky to have such a talented lineup for our panel this afternoon. Um, so let me first kick off by introducing them. We have got Christos on my left, first up, who is senior digital producer at Channel 4, Christos Savides. You're a multi-award winning senior digital producer um, for 4 Creative, which is Channel 4's in-house creative agency, um, where you oversee Channel 4's digital marketing strategy and creative. Um, and most recent works include season two, Campaign for Humans, and the Rio 2016 Paralympics. So uh, no one's ever heard of either of those then. <laughs> Um, uh, next up, we've got Laura Ward, who's Deputy Head of Marketing at Channel 4. Expert in her field, Laura's been working in broadcast marketing for over 10 years and is responsible for some of TV's most well-known branding and marketing campaigns. From, naturally, the multi-award winning humans, let's see how many times I can get that, multi-award winning <laughs> humans, um, to risk-taking Born Risky series. Thanks for joining us, Laura. Great to have you on today's panel. And our final member um, on the panel today is Arthur Tinsley, who is creative technologist at AOL, where he works in the AOL Partner Studios team. Arthur was formerly at Microsoft, where he worked with the team at Channel 4 on the Project Humans. Arthur uses technology to create unique custom media solutions, using innovative tech as a canvas for great creative work, and he'll explain exactly what that means in layman's terms a bit later on. <coughs> So, welcome to you three, and can I just first kick off with a little bit about today's format. So, we're going to be talking about humans as our case study. Um, we're then going to have an opportunity for you guys to ask some questions, and can I just say, I know it's cringy, but can you wait for the mic to turn up just so we can hear what you're asking? Um, and let's get started. Um, can we roll the first BT, please? Persona Synthetics, closer to humans than ever before. Your brand new synthetic. Hello, Joe. Artificial intelligence and our relationship with technology are the subjects of Channel 4's ambitious new drama, Humans. To promote the show, Channel 4 created a marketing campaign around fictional brand Persona Synthetics, announcing that synthetic humans were now available to buy. To reinforce the illusion, we made the bold decision to remove all Channel 4 branding. It started with a TV ad. Meet Sally. Hello. What can I do for you today? She is faster, stronger, more capable than ever before. Sally is part of your family. New generation Persona Synthetics, closer to humans than ever before. We then launched their flagship store in Regent Street and announced the arrival using print ads across Lifestyle London Press. Using Microsoft's Kinect technology, passers-by were followed by our 3D synths and beckoned over for an interactive product demo. Persona Synthetic Sally and Charlie synths were then auctioned on eBay. The first time a fictional brand has been given permission to sell products on the site, generating over 200,000 visits in the first 72 hours. This curious new brand generated a storm across social media, with the company's Facebook and Twitter accounts gaining huge interest and sparking conversations. Get out of here. I've seen iRobot. 
I know what happens. Those wanting to know more were pointed to the brand online, only to find that the company's website was really a front for the show humans. The website had one million visits in three weeks, and Persona Synthetics trended number one on Twitter and Google. Having piqued audience interest, we then switched the campaign to showcase the drama. Using striking imagery of the show's lead synth character across bus sides, digital posters, online and large-scale on-air activity. The campaign earned a huge amount of media coverage in the UK and across the world. A lot of people actually were apparently on the website um, and saying to Channel 4, where can I buy one? Research showed that the campaign generated the highest intention to view score for a drama within the last five years, and Humans went on to become the highest rated original Channel 4 drama launch of all time. I'm watching you. I'm watching you too, Laura. You're right in front of me. I think that last bit's one of my favourite lines from the whole series. <laughs> <laughs> Delivered with perfect dramatic pause. Um, Laura, shall we kick off with you? Um, can you just tell me, I suppose, where did the idea come from? For this innovative campaign? Yeah, well, I think, yeah, we had an absolute gift, of course, in the fact that the show itself just had this great concept at its heart. So I think, you know, most of you have seen it, but um, this, the show is set in a world really similar to our own, um, but where the latest must have gadget is a synth, you know, this very human like robot. Um, and the show explores, you know, what does that mean for <coughs> us as a society and how do we feel about that? So, yeah, soon, as soon as we heard about it, we were really, really excited. We thought, well, we've got to do something, you know, big and bold. and you know, Channel 4 has a remit for innovation as well, so we were absolutely looking to, to sort of do something big. Um, but I think actually the challenge from a marketing point of view was how do we make sure this feels really relatable to our viewers? Um, because we wanted this to be a big mainstream hit. Um, the show's actually very grounded in a very normal, normal family. Um, but as soon as you go out there and start talking about robots, and, you know, everyone's going to go, well, it's sci-fi, it's mm. future worlds. Um, so actually, we had a bit of a worry that, that it could be, you know, for people thinking, you know, that it could actually be a much of a turn-off as a turn-on if we pitched it as too sci-fi. So the challenge really to the team was, you know, how do we bring this into the real world and make it feel really relevant and relatable to our viewers? Um, so that was the challenge. Um, but it's actually this absolute stroke of luck that at the time that we were working on the brief, um, I think there's eminent figures like Elon Musk and Professor Stephen Hawking came out saying... AI is the single biggest threat facing humanity, and that suddenly was everywhere, and everyone was talking about it. So, um, so that was really helpful for us that there was this conversation happening already. You know, are, are, is AI here to sort of help us, or are the robots going to sort of come and kill us all in our beds? And that was a conversation that we could join and fuel. So it was looking for the right way to engage. And Christos, do you want to talk a bit about the creative yeah. development of the campaign itself? Sure. So, um, can everyone hear me? All right. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, we got the brief, obviously, um, and I think the brief was really strong for us. So when we get a, a marketing brief, obviously, we find out quite early on what the ambition is. So is it sort of a traditional thing? Is it going to be clips? Is it quite a standard sort of um, campaign that we want to do? <coughs> And um, with this one, the ambition straight away was an innovative, big idea, um, which was just gold dust for us, because especially for me, because my role is in particular looking at digital and social and how we can be um, innovative and bring campaigns to life in different ways using different technologies. So for me, I was like, oh my god, this is amazing to be involved in this project. Uh, so I worked really closely with our business directors and with the creative teams trying to come up with concepts 
to, to achieve the goal that we wanted to achieve, to make people care about the show. Um, and quite quickly, we just loved the idea of making it feel as if you could buy this product for real because of the point around like how, how will this impact humanity or how does this show have an impact on humanity. The way we can only do that is really by making people believe that it was happening now and make them feel like, oh God, what does this mean for me? If now I can go out and rather than just buying a smartphone, I can buy this product that's going to live in my house and do all these chores for me. What does that mean for me and my family? Um, so I think that was like the key point. And then once we'd got that idea and we knew that that was what we wanted to do, it was like, right, well, how do we do this for real? Um, and that was obviously where we came up with sort of the TV ad idea. Um, and then also how does it play out across different media? So I think that was what we tried to do, basically, to try and make that feel believable. And so, Arthur, do you want to talk a bit about how Microsoft received this brief and um, how you sort of responded to it and made that come to life? Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, we got the brief originally. Uh, we knew the guys at Channel 4 were thinking about promoting the show in this very unique way. Um, and we were working in the creative tech department. We look for those kind of briefs every time. We're kind of, how can we, how can we find the right brief that we can use technology to really amplify? And this was just, like Christoph said, just screaming out. And <coughs> when we originally heard about it, we heard that they were going to do an actual store pop-up shop. And so we thought, wouldn't it be cool if you were greeted by a personal assistant? So Microsoft has a personal assistant called Cortana. So we went and had a chat with the Cortana team, and pretty much immediately they were like, absolutely no way. Um, it's far too close for comfort. Um, so um, we kind of had to rethink things, and then the collaboration started, and then we met Christos and Laura and the team, um, and we just kind of started on that journey with the guys to figure out what they were trying to achieve, and then when we knew it was the storefront, um, Microsoft Connect technology really just jumped out at us, and we thought we can really freak people out by tracking people as they walk down the street and interacting with them in a different way. So that's, that's kind of how we did it. We just got involved. We, you know, we love it when we've got a really simple creative nugget that we can kind of um, attach to, and we, we definitely had that. On this, uh, on this brief. So you guys have come up with this amazing concept um, that's going to promote the show. How do you then work with QDOS, who's the TV production company that make that actually make the program? Yeah, really closely because you know if you're taking the world from the show and bringing that into the real world, it absolutely has to feel authentic. And I think if it doesn't and you get it wrong, the viewers totally sniff that out. Um, so yeah, we had to have their buy-in right from the start, and we worked really closely with them. Um, and that was through lots of details, everything from, you know, the simple things like you don't say robot, you say synth, um, <laughs> through to things like, you know, synths have a very particular way of moving, so they move their heads at a different time to their shoulders, and, you know, that's, and their eyebrows don't lift, and, you know, all these kind of very particular things that you'd only know if, you know, if you're working with a production team. So actually they had on set somebody whose job it was to choreograph the synths and to teach them how to be synths and he would have synth school and give them lessons. So he worked with us on the campaign to make sure we got all the details right, um, and you know, including our ad. Um, and actually the, 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 the synths that we used, Charlie and Sally, for the storefront, they were extras from the show. So they were in the show and they'd been trained Amazing. as synths. So yeah, I think it's that sort of detail that the audience enjoys. Yeah. I love that. That must be the best job in the world, being <laughs> seeing whether it's synth and correct. Um, and so what audience were you really going after here? What was your kind of heartland? And being a greedy marketing person, we wanted everyone. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and actually, that's why the campaign had so many touch points. So digital was really important, but we also had TV, we had print. Um, it was a broad campaign because we wanted it to be a mainstream hit for Channel 4. But we knew that the younger, tech-savvy end of the audience would be the ones who would engage most of the themes and be the most vocal, so we created a lot of content aimed at them. And who, went, who did end up 
watching it? It was one of our biggest, it's our biggest rating drama, I think, since, since records began. So really? yeah, for Channel 4. So yeah, it was a, a big hit and it crossed over quite a few audience groups. Um, Christos, do you want to talk us through um, the key <laughs> elements of the campaign? We're just going to kind of break it down a bit in, um, in detail here. Sure. Um, so probably the biggest thing that most people would have seen would have been the TV ad. That was the first starting point. So I think in the first um, pitch that we did sort of to marketing was, you know, we had the TV, rough version of the TV script, because that brings to life what you're trying to do. It's like, well, we want to make it feel like you could buy it. It's the easiest thing to sort of write and make it feel as if this product's real. So we developed a script for that. Um, and that was inspired by tech brands. So we looked at Samsung ads, Apple ads, and we just did it in exactly the same way that they would do it. Um, so that was like the, the main bit. Um, and then we also, because we were bringing the brand to, to the real world, we thought, well, what else would a brand do? They would have Facebook and Twitter accounts. So we created Facebook and Twitter accounts, branded those up. Um, we tried to make those feel as authentic as possible. We filled those. We basically created like a schedule of content for those uh, during our campaign, which was a mix of stuff that we'd written for the, for the product and for the brand, and also real AI stories. So we were using like news articles and different information and sources just to keep content coming out and make it all feel genuine. Um, and then we had um, a, a brand partnership with eBay where we auctioned a synth, which is the first time they've ever done anything like that before. So it was really interesting to work with those guys and have all the initial conversations with them about how we might make it happen. Um, and yeah, so we had the pages on there where you could go and find uh, the product um, and you could basically, you couldn't bid on it, but you would request a bid, which is the way high-end brands work on eBay. If it's like a new car or something mm -hmm. and they want to have it on eBay, you can basically do a request and then they would get a message and say that's for a TV show. Um, then we had the, well, we had a website, which was The Resolve, um, which had information around the, the brand and also told you that it was for a show. And then we had the storefront in Regent Street, which was, um, you know, crazy. <laughs> like we just said, uh, you know, we had that uh, big, big storefront and then uh, the Microsoft Connect experience with the two 90 screens uh, in front of that. We've actually uh, got a clip, I think, of the storefront going up. Can we play the, um, can we play the VT? experience a bit yeah sure so I don't know if you guys saw in the the case study video there but there was a little black slither just to the side of the screen um, and that was really kind of the, the heart of what how we were able to do this so we will show you in a, in a little while how we actually scanned the characters and, and brought them to life on a computer but the connect looking out onto the street uh, could track up to eight people at one time 
So we had a lot of fun um, talking about the kind of creative uses of this. Um, one of them was we, we angled the, the synths just that little bit higher to make them feel quite um, kind of uh, as if they were sort of taking over and looking down on you. Uh, and then we actually tracked people as they walked past. So the synth would physically follow you um, and kind of watch you as you walk down the street. And then if you waved, they'd wave back. Um, if you stood uh, looking at them for long enough, then they would usher you in and bring you in front of the store. And then you could actually stand there and interact and kind of pretend like you were purchasing and customizing your own, your own synth. Brilliant. Can we, um, can we have a look at the VT for this one as well, please? So for us, that's kind of like heaven, really. That's kind of like a melting pot of all these different people coming together. We had our guys there, a guy called Aviv Yaron, who's a computational photographer, who normally would take um, photos of Brad Pitt's of this world and, and, and sort of stitch them together into these 3D models that you can then use in a computer. Um, for Creative, Christos, you know, Keith, all those guys came down. Uh, we had Dan, the choreographer, and that's really where the magic happened behind the scenes. We captured these people. Um, uh, into 3D meshes, and then we stitched them up with skeletons inside. And the connect part that I was talking about earlier on, basically what we did is put those two together so that as you were walking down the street, we could completely take, take over the, um, the, the characters and make them do what we wanted. Does that all kind of make sense? Good, good. My bit's done. <laughs> the other thing that was really cool about um, the experience when you were there is just how big they were. So I remember we had a lot of conversations Screen early gate. on. Yeah. Springgate, yeah. <laughs> um, because I think, I can't remember what the original size was. I think it was like seven, 60 inch, I think. 60 or 70 60 inch, or 70 I think, inch, which was just still pretty big. But um, They weren't it, human size, they weren't life size. Yeah, they were sort of just below life size. And even though they were raised slightly off the floor, we still wanted that impact of when you walk by, especially when they were looking at you as you walked yeah. by. Um, when we got that scale, we basically in the end we went with 90 inch screens, which meant that was six foot. Um, and the biggest were, screens available at that time. They yeah. took quite a lot of parking power to get hold of them, I think. But, but yeah, it's just really it worked. when you walked by. I think that's quite so this campaign went across a multitude of platforms, TV, ad, online, um, shop window, old school, you know, real life print. Um, that's a hot, that's a, how do you go about integrating all of that? And I mean, is this your everyday now? Do you, is this how you run campaigns across, every, you know, across everything? And how, how do you actually sort of deliver across all of, the, all of those platforms? Yeah, I mean, we try. <laughs> um, obviously, this is a massive one for us, so you know, we get probably, I don't know, three or four, two, three, maybe, maybe a year. Um, but yeah, integration is key, and also collaboration is key. Um, making sure that everyone knows what they're doing, everyone's aware of where and what's happening at what time, so communication is vital. Um, and I think with something like this, where we had um, a single brand going out on all the different 
places and different media formats, we wanted to make sure that everything look and looked and felt like it came from the same place. So what was really great was with Kudos, the production company, they had background information on synths about how they work, what, like really in depth as well, like what temperature their skin is and all this kind of stuff. Like it was insanely like complicated stuff, like a massive document. Um, and then they also had a document all around Persona Synthetics. Um, so when, when we said this is the sort of idea that we want to do, they were like, oh, we've got some background information here it is. Um, and it had some tone of voice stuff in there. It had some information around where the company started and all that kind of stuff. Right. So um, we took that and we created a sort of um, yeah, brand Bible. And then we, we sort of worked with all of our different partners across all the different formats, all the different um, placements, to make sure that everything felt like it came from the same place. Yeah. It felt it felt like we turned into a retail company. We had, you know, the crazy coming to they were coming to pitch us these different <laughs> brand looks for the for the retail brand, and we're like, what would our consumer like? And it, you know, yeah. we sort of got into this strange world where we really were launching this this brand. It was really odd conversations, like really surreal, because you'd be having a conversation and someone'd be like, no, no, Persona wouldn't do that. Like, They're not real. What are you talking about? <laughs> we just made them up. <laughs> But it's really interesting because you're talking about that brand and sort of on purpose, you made a conscious effort to not use <laughs> Channel 4. Um, yeah. How did you get that away with, uh, with the powers that be at the channel? Can you talk us well, through that? That's yeah, really and it, was, it, was, it was bold. Um, and, you know, and I'm the marketing person. I'm usually the one saying to these guys, make the logo bigger. So it was, <laughs> it was a big step. But I think we, you know, we all just knew early on that if this stunt was going to have any kind of impact, you know, there had to be that moment where people went, what the hell? <laughs> like, is this real? It had to have Thoughts that moment of, yeah. of believability. And the minute you stick like a big broadcaster logo on it, it's game over and you know what's going on. Um, so, you know, fortunately, the powers that be at Channel 4 agreed with that. But the conversation was very much about, well, OK, but if you're going to go do this big elaborate stunt, you need to make sure that people realise what it's for and that people mm. then sort of attribute that to, to humans, the drama. Um, so that, was, that took a lot of thinking and we sort of went down a few cul-de-sacs with that, but I think our two key levers with that really, one was everything carried the strap line closer to humans than ever before and hashtag right. humans. And what was quite useful at the time was no one knew the drama, so the title wasn't out there and mm. it was sort of generic enough that we could use that without it being a spoiler. But the whole time we were starting to build awareness of that as a program brand before the audience even knew it themselves. So kind of hashtag humans was across everything. Um, and then the other thing was that everything drove to personasynthetics.com. Right. Um, and if once you got to personasynthetics.com, there was a big glossy trailer for humans featuring Gemma Chan and the, all the cast, um, big Channel 4 M board humans coming soon. So, you know, basically people were always just one step away from closing the loop and working out what it was for, which, again, we kind of went down a bit of a cul-de-sac at first of thinking we want to keep the ruse up for, you know, a week and we're going to keep trying to fool people. But we realised pretty quickly that it was really important that you got that attention for a moment and you just got to, if people want to find out what it's for, you just have to resolve it for them there and then. And I think that was the right thing to do. And even with the TV ads, I think initially we, they were, we just had the Personas and XM board and then I think we were going to leave that for about... We, yeah, the, the conversation, you know, it, it, it blew up quickly enough that enough people had kind of had that moment of going, what is this? And, oh, it's, it's the drama Channel 4, um, that we had to actually move the campaign on quicker than we'd planned and start going on to the next phase when everything was branded because everyone was like, well, I know what that is now. So, yeah. <laughs> so it was the same, same Persona Synthetics promo, but with a Channel 4 M board about four days after we launched it, I think. Okay. So we sort of 
decided to do that earlier because so many people were talking about it. Yeah, which was great. Yeah. yeah. We were standing down at the storefront and just making sure everything was going okay. And um, we had, yeah, we were standing there, we were probably the second day and we were you know, expecting a week to go by and people were coming up to us and going, we, we know what that's for. For a TV program, <laughs> like, yeah, job done. <laughs> yeah, I think people just liked being in on it and having discovered what it was. Yeah, great. Can you talk us through um, some stats of you know, people interacting? I think we've we've got a slide as well that's um, that's going to help help us here. Um, and um, about Twitter and um, I can't social actually. and Facebook. <laughs> you don't remember? Really <laughs> uh, what do you mean you don't know these off by heart? Uh, know this is so I know we trended number one on Twitter, and I think we. Got uh, Google, Google search, search yeah. Which, which, what was really good about the campaign, I think, was um, we didn't really we didn't spend any money on advertising the website, which was the place that told you what this was all for. So all of the money sort of went into making it feel like Persona Synthetics was real. So the, the work that people had to do to find out what it was actually for, they had to do by themselves. Um, I think we had something like the first week, there was, is it say three, minute, three million searches um, in the first week, certainly in the duration of the campaign, people just organically searching what is this persona synthetics thing, what the hell is it, and, and then getting to the site. Yeah, which is amazing, like, you know, um, I mean, we never thought it would be anything like that, it was way bigger than anything we thought. 7,000 interactions, I think. Yeah, which 7,000 for the storefront. For the storefront, which kind of does it a bit of a disservice, really, because that's just one person going through the experience. Actually, there were crowds of people. We were joking about it earlier on, actually, that we, we thought the street on Regent Street was so wide, we thought <coughs> no way we're going to have any sort of health and safety issues with people bulking up so much to, to see the experience. They'd be going near the, the, the road, and actually, we were standing there at one point saying, can you keep moving on, please, because there was just such a queue of people sort of standing around yeah, waiting to interact with yeah, we were towards the end. Yeah, it was next to a bus stop as well. Every time yeah. the buses were pulling in, we were like, "Oh God!" <laughs> and the first fake auction on eBay. I mean, can you explain how you get that one away? Um, well, that was like genius from our media partner, OMD. Right. So uh, when we initially came up with the idea of the pro of the um, sort of making it feel like you could buy these products, we came up with loads of different executions and. Sometimes the first thing we do is like, oh, what small things can we do to make a bit of noise? And I think initially it was going to be like selling them on Gumtree. It's like, oh, we can just do that for free. We'll just set up some stuff and it'll be fine. Um, but with all of our campaigns, we obviously buy a certain amount of media to advertise the shows. And back then, I'm not really doing it so much anymore, but it used to be a lot of display advertising. Mm -hmm. so, um, so that's basically like the banners that you see across different websites. Um, so OMD started chatting with eBay and said, well, we're going to be buying enough media like this, this sort of display advertising. Could it unlock some potential to do something a bit more innovative and exciting? Um, we've got this idea that we'd love to sell these things online. Could we do this as an auction? Um, and they were like, oh, that's interesting. And then sort of had the conversations. I think at first they were a bit like, oh, can't really have an auction for a fake product. But then I think once we sort of worked together on how it might work, um, they created a sort of proposal internally, which went up the chain and then managed to get something It was off. quite touch and go. I must say, fair play to Microsoft and eBay for kind of getting involved. So there were quite a few big tech companies that we spoke to who will remain nameless who just ran a mile and said, yeah. absolutely <laughs> no way, you know, this is not going to reflect well. You know, you're, fake, you're faking people out. It doesn't reflect well on technology. So the fact that they went along with it was brilliant, but I think... Fair to say, some internal conversations are had. Yeah, and some that didn't. <laughs> let's put it that way. Yeah, let's keep it from the bosses. <laughs> but it sounds like you you had a lot of people kind of coming on board, and a lot of you know key collaboration between brands and 
agencies and you know sort of and also, you know probably really innovative partnerships that maybe had never been like that before. I mean, how do you do you want to talk us a bit through actually how you go through managing that kind of production collaboration, especially yeah. with you know new, new partners? Yeah, we worked with a lot of people that we hadn't worked before, uh, worked with before, um, and I think it was just communication again. Like was the was the main thing. We had like a central point. Um, so for creative, we're, we're talking to all these different suppliers and all these different brands, taking all the assets in. We shared that brand viable out. Um, and then once we had everything in, it was just it was just rounds and rounds of feedback to make sure that everything sort of fit and worked together and had that same tone of voice and all felt like it came from the same place. It was a big job, but it was... I mean, also, the other thing is that I think whilst I was working on it anyway, we had so many different teams and so much going on, it was really difficult to step away and actually think about what we were doing. That's why I think those persona synthetics conversations were just like happening because it was just like we were actually doing it. And it was just like, right, we've got to get this done, we've got to get that done. And I remember the day before we launched the campaign, Lauren, Lauren, uh, who was the marketing uh, exec or marketing manager at the time, came down to my um, desk and we're like, oh, we're launching tomorrow. And I was like, oh, God, I didn't even, are we? Like, oh, cool. <laughs> like, we're so busy delivering stuff that I didn't even think about, oh, all right, it's actually happening now. What's going to, oh, is it going to go well? Is it going to go bad? I was just yeah. trying to get all the stuff done. It was done. really intense, yeah. really intense. Loads of people, but, you know, collaboration was absolutely the heart of it. And I think everyone just wanted it to work. Everyone mm. just thought this is such a fun yeah. idea. We just want to freak everyone out. And everyone just, yeah. <laughs> just you know, everyone, people kept, even up to the last minute, people go, I've had this great idea. You know, let's pretend that we're wheeling oh, synths yeah, in the store. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Kind of, yeah, everyone kept on throwing out all these, you know, all these cool ideas. Right. Well, there, the there, was a, there was an intern um, that was working yeah. For you guys, that at the last minute we realised looked just like Sally from the storefront, and bless her, she was up for it. And we said, "Could we put you on a sack barrow and wheel you out the front?" And she went for it, and it was brilliant. It was such a cool stunt. She was just do like, "Do not that. accept this as your first job." Yeah. Okay? No, do do. Yeah. Um, can I be controversial? Can I ask if there was anything that kind of, you know, when you're doing something so new and so bold and innovative, was there anything that kind of didn't work out, or any um, any surprises that didn't kind of land as as they'd been intended? I love how you look at me. Um, <laughs> so we, we, when we were setting up the, the storefront, um, my, my colleague and I, Fraser, who do these sorts of um, Sunty projects, um, it gone really well. We stayed over in London. We got everything prepared. We get to set it all up. And there's always something that's guaranteed, no matter how well you prepare. And there's actually a photo of uh, myself and Fraser in front of the... The, um, the store kind of almost high-fiving, you know, you know, we did it, well done, mate, everything's brilliant. <laughs> and we look back at the photo, and we could just see in the top of the screen um, that we were looking at, that the screens had gone black at the top, and we thought, what on earth is going on? So we turned around, looked at it, and the screens, it was about this time of year, the sun had just come over and hit the screens, and we hadn't realised that the screens that had been ordered, because they were the larger screens, weren't, um, weren't able to sort of, you know, uh, take that amount of sunshine. So we had to run around the back, pull the thing out, and uh, you know, we got it fixed eventually. But the, the point of the story is that the, the screens were down for an hour. And because they were down for an hour, we suddenly got this amazing insight into how the store would have been if we hadn't done it. Um, and of course, we were all standing over the other side of the street, and we realized that if we hadn't done the, the um, synthetic humans with the Kinect, that people just don't care. They were just walking past the store uh, you know, at such a speed that I think um, it was kind of credit to what we actually managed to achieve with it in the end. I'm so glad we, we, we had that little insight by the mistake, actually. Yeah. We survived. We, did we, yeah, it was all fine. <laughs> it was really only down for a couple of hours. But. It's such a busy street, and everyone's just 100 miles an hour. Yeah, it's straight past. To take notice of every single shop, it doesn't, unless you're like actually browsing the shops. Yeah. Mm. So many people just walk past, but as soon as you've got that level of interactivity, 
and somewhat it just takes one person. As soon as one person stops and stops, everyone doing stops. Everyone's to start looking. What's, see what's this person doing? Trying to join in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. And so with um, with something like this, where social media and and that kind of Twitter chatter is so key, and naturally you can never plan for these things. Um, can you talk a bit about how that pans out and how um, how it how it worked yeah, across social? Yeah. I'm going to hold my hands up here and say actually I this this was about three years ago now that we were starting to plan it, and we we're saying well, we're doing a big stunt, and I sort of approached it in a bit of an old-fashioned way to start with, which was saying well if we're doing this big stunt, we've got to configure it so it gets press coverage. It's got you know it's got to be page three in the metro, otherwise we've not done our job. And obviously to you know to place a sort of traditional press exclusive, you have to hold everything back and you have to not put things online and you have to keep things secret and arrange that exclusive with the journalists. So started approaching it from that point of view, but then we were tying ourselves up in knots and we were sort of saying, how on earth are we going to build a store on Regent Street without anyone mm. noticing or putting anything online? And actually we then realised that that wasn't our focus and we weren't going to worry about the journalists at all. We were just going to focus on our audience and focus on social media. Um, and then, of course, you know, you're trying to play to the algorithm, so... We wanted to launch everything across all our touch points in one go and just try and get that momentum going. And that's what we did, and that's how it got trending. And then the big learning for me was actually it then became a press story in and of itself because so many talk people talked Great. about it, and then the press covered it for that reason. So, yeah, that was a learning for me. So, new series of humans. Um, you know, you can't... <laughs> naturally, it's a campaign that you can't, you can't repeat, mm. um, but, you know, by its very nature... Um, how do you take that to the next stage? Yeah, it was tough. <laughs> we, uh, I remember we got the brief, and part of you is really excited to work on it again, and part of you is thinking, I need to leave Channel 4 and never work on this again because <laughs> I don't really want to do this. Um, but it was, it was hard. But we, I think initially we were like, right, let's not do anything with Persona Synthetics. We'll, we'll stay away from that. We'll do something different. We started trying to come up with loads of ideas, and we just kept hitting brick walls. We were just like, oh, it's not as good, it's not as good. Everything we came up with was, it had some interesting elements, but didn't really hit the mark. And we didn't want to go out with a campaign that was completely different, but not as good as the first. Mm. Um, so then we were just like, oh, so what, maybe we should look at percentage and text again. We started thinking about what we could do. And the, the second season is, is all about the code to consciousness being rolled out and lots and lots of synths waking up with this consciousness. So then we started thinking, well, We've got this brand here that we've created in season one, this Percentage Synthetics brand. If they were in the show, what would happen to them? And we were like, well, they would, their products are going wrong. They'd want to find out what's going wrong. And then we sort of stumbled on this sort of product recall idea. Um, and for us, as soon as we got that, as soon as we started talking about product recall, we said, like, oh, we could do this. Oh, and we could do that. And we could do this thing. We could do that thing. And suddenly the ideas started coming, and it started to feel a bit natural. Um, so for us, it was like, oh, I think we think this is the thing. And the other thing that I love about that um, idea about going out with Persona again is that because we'd already had the engagement with the first series, mm -hmm. by going out with Persona, anyone who knew the first campaign or knew what Humans would, was would instantly know that the show was returning. And for people who didn't engage the first time, they still had that rug pull of like, what, what is this product recall for this really? random mm -hmm. human product? So it sort of did both audiences, which we really liked. Um, and then the other thing is the because it was a product recall, whereas the first season we had loads of references of real companies, real tech brands um, doing these campaigns that we could sort of get inspiration from, there's also plenty of real product recalls. So we looked at things like you know, the Toyota recall that they did a few years back, um, the Tesco's horse meat scandal, right. like there's so much stuff out there. Um, so we could do loads of research, find all of this content, and then try to sort of mimic Emulate yeah, those tone of voices. 
Um, so whereas the first one's all about like, oh yeah, we're the best company ever. The second one's like, oh, we've sort of had a little issue, but we're still brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> so we sort of had loads of that to come uh, to, to follow. Um, and then, yeah, it was a case of just figuring out uh, how that would play out and what sort of media formats. So again, because of the product recall idea, you know, Tesco's went out with their long copy press. So it was like, right, well, what would Persona, what would Persona Synthetics do? How would, what would their long copy press ad look like? How would their apology read? So we could do that. Um, and then we did the eBay again. So obviously, if we were already selling them on eBay, then eBay have a, because eBay have a, a big uh, sort of policy around how they deal with refunds and all mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So we could use some of their wording in there as well and around the product recall. Um, so we had all of this kind of um, insightful things to pull from. And then obviously the, the Facebook chatbot was probably the centerpiece innovative point that we did uh, this year, which was like a customer service chatbot. Yeah, so talk us through that, another first. Um. <laughs> yeah, um, so that was really exciting. I think we loved the idea In fact, for a couple actually, of can reasons. I just interrupt you one minute? Has it, who has played with a bot? Can I just have a show of hands? Not, not as many people have okay. seen the show. <laughs> it's quite freaky, have a go. It's, yeah. Yeah. Is it still live? It's good. It is still live, yeah. So if you go to the Facebook um, Persona Synthetics page and then you hit contact us, so it will, it will feel like you're just messaging the company, but as soon as you message it, it will respond, and you're not chatting to a person, even though you might think you are. It's not a person. <laughs> and I think we've got a video as well to show. Should we show the video? Can we run the VT, please? Thank you. Humans was Channel 4's best original drama launch of all time after we brought Persona Synthetics, the fictional brand from the show, into the real world. The second series of Humans sees the synths waking up and becoming conscious. Is this fear? To start teasing audiences, we launched a real-world Persona Synthetics product recall campaign across multiple media formats. If your synth displays any unusual behavior, it must be urgently recalled and undergo a process of recalibration. The centerpiece of this recall was a European entertainment first, an innovative chatbot giving viewers the chance to interact in real time with a synthetic human customer care advisor. Once users arrived in Messenger, they were asked to choose which advisor they'd like to speak to. The customer care synth then helps the user diagnose the issue before informing them that a collection truck is being dispatched to collect the faulty synth. It's here where the experience takes a thrilling turn. The synth starts to malfunction. Its language becomes slurred and suddenly it becomes conscious. The synth is confused with these new human emotions and asks the player for help understanding them. The conversation develops with the synth learning about happiness fear, and humor. This helps people feel empathy for their synth. And once this bond is established, the tone suddenly shifts and the synth is in trouble. Persona synthetics aren't as friendly as they first appear. At the end of the experience, they're able to decide whether or not they want to turn their synth in by reporting it or help it escape the customer care center in an exciting, fast-paced breakout. If the user fails to help in time, the synth is captured and destroyed. There are even hidden messages scattered throughout the experience for the superfans to discover if they ask the right questions. The project was a collaboration involving many companies, including Poolstring, a platform for conversation AI headed up by a team of ex-Pixar engineers. We also work closely with the show writers, scripting over 700 lines of dialogue to make the experience feel as natural and responsive as possible. Each player is presented with a unique conversation based on what they message. The bot is the first ever created to promote a TV show, was awarded Facebook EMEA Campaign of the Month, 
and it had over 5 million messages exchanged with players. Humans went on to have the highest awareness of a drama since 2008 and became our best performing returning drama since 2011. The experience ends with a Turing test. The synth asks the user, do you think of me as human? 70% of people answered yes, proving once again the Persona synthetics are indeed closer to humans this won't end the way you want it to. than ever before. I just realized that's told you everything that happens in the box. So, <laughs> <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Um, yeah, but uh, it was a really fun thing to do. I think we loved the idea of um, creating AI to promote a show about AI. That was something that was just like, oh, that's cool. Um, and bots at the time, I mean, they still are like, a, lot, a lot of people talking about bots and what they could be used for. No one was really using it for entertainment or to promote mm -hmm. TV shows or films or anything like that. Um, they will mainly be being used for customer services. So then, obviously, we had the product recall idea. It's basically customer services. So it sort of just fit hand in hand together. Um, so that was basically where the idea came from. We started chatting to them, started saying, you know, we'd love to do some sort of customer service-based bot, which becomes an entertainment piece. Um, and then we worked with yes, uh, Paul String from San Francisco. We flew over one of the writers. We also worked really closely with the show <coughs> writers. Um, yeah, Doug talk Benetton. a bit about that collaboration with Facebook, Paul String, yeah, it was, QDOS. It was really, really intense and really fast-paced. So I think we set up about five, five days in a row of two-hour or three-hour sessions, I think, or even longer than that. Um, and every day, we basically just sat in a room full of post-it notes of what's going to happen and how's it going to work. And I think the first session... We had um, just internally, so it was like for creative, and it was um, the, the guys from Paul String, and we sort of developed what we thought would be a good story. And I think the second day we sort of presented that to the to the writers of the show and said, "This is what we're thinking," and then they they were, they really liked it, and then they sort of gave in their bits of ideas and how we could um, develop it to make it sort of work side by side with the show. Um, and then once we had that, it was all about script writing. So the 700 lines of dialogue is is how you make it feel like you're talking to someone. So the way it works is. You're There's a lot of content. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of, uh, of writing. And, and Dan from Paul String was, was brilliant. You don't see all 700 lines of dialogue. No, it's, like you, it's, no yeah, it's, but it's all the yeah. options. Yeah, so options. exactly. So we will put in, uh, we try to like guide the narrative. So we'll have a rough structure, but then you can sort of come out of it and back into it based on the conversation. And we just try to listen for as many, we try, we, we try to keep the questions not too open ended. Okay. So it makes it feel really natural, and it makes it feel like you're making all the decisions, but really we're sort of guiding you through a certain route. So there might be sort of five or six main answers that you might answer a particular question for. So we'll make sure there's answers for each of those. It does feel really creepy, though, when you're yeah. talking to yeah. it. Because you I do think, feel like you're I think we knew we were on to something when we were down the pub on Friday night, and our team PA was late because she was chatting to the bot. <laughs> so. What was great as well, we had... Um, so I could, see, <laughs> I could see the conversations as people were having them when we launched it. Um, and, yeah, people would just say crazy stuff. <laughs> and that, all, all of the conversations were really funny. But then of, when you get to the end of it, obviously it finishes, and then, you know, the synth goes away wherever she goes, depending on what your outcome is. And people are just like, hello, hello. <laughs> like, it's over, guys. <laughs> End it, stop. Yeah. I'm tweeting about it, like, I've lost my synth. What do I do? <laughs> I was just chatting to her. She's fine. <laughs> I've been working with the BBC um, who've just launched the a Doctor Who bot, so I will uh, I'll watch out for, yeah. um, for weird and wonderful responses later. Yeah. We'll have to link that. the bots up and then... Yeah, yeah but yeah, then that yeah. <laughs> Crossing brands. Yeah. Um, while I've got you three, I thought um, what I'd really like to do is actually 
for you to just talk a little bit about what you do, because none of these three are what you sort of would call a classic TV producer, um, but they all create content. Um, and I just think it would be really insightful to just hear a, a little bit about, you know, sort of what kind of skills you need and what your challenges are, and um, a little bit about sort of how you've got into that role and, and how and how it's evolved. Because I just think that would be hugely insightful. Should we start? We'll go. We'll start from um, left to right. So we'll start, we'll start with you, Chris. Okay. So I, I'm senior digital producer at 4Creative. So 4Creative are an internal agency of Channel 4. So we look after all of the marketing and advertising for Channel 4 shows. And my role is, is looking after digital, social, and integrated projects. So yeah, the way it works is we get the brief. I'll work alongside creators. We'll try and come up with ideas. And then we're always trying to think of new ways to excite and engage audiences, basically. Um, so rather than just doing a sort of traditional TV ad and maybe a poster, it's what are the new ways that we can excite people? How can we you know, extend the world of the show, make them feel a part of it, and, and just give them new, new ways to play along, I guess? Um, so you can make content on any platform, yeah. then, really, depending yeah, yeah, on what yeah. the brief is. Yeah, we've done stuff on Tinder, we've done stuff on like, all sorts. Like, any, anywhere is an opportunity to you know, get people to, to engage with something, I think. So we're always trying to excite fans as well. And I think, especially in this day and age where people are, uh, I think there's, what did I read the other day, like people have an eight-second attention span. It's like, how can you get them to look at something or engage with something more than eight seconds? And I think the way you do that is you give them something that you would like yourself to play with. So everything I work on, I'm always trying to think, like, if, I, if this popped up in my feed or if this was something I engaged with, would I want to talk about it? Would I want to share it? If I wouldn't, then why am I making it? Because okay. it's just pointless. Like, I want, to be, I want to be making stuff that people enjoy playing with and enjoy talking about. So that's the way I look at things. And I think the, in terms of skills, um, the biggest part is collaboration. So teamwork, being able to pick who you, who you work with. Um, I um, pick with, <coughs> in terms of digital production, there's a lot of agencies I work with, so I always try and pick the best in their certain fields, whoever suppliers and production companies who are the best at social video or the best at digital production websites, games, whatever it might be. Um, and then working really closely with those guys and with our internal teams to make sure that we can make the project as good as it can be. Um, yeah. Great. And Laura, do you want to talk about kind of marketing and how it's evolved over yeah. probably, you know, even the 10 years that oh, you've been doing broadcast? I think, you know, the, the line between sort of marketing and content now is as blurred as ever. And it used to be back in the day, you'd create your TV ad and spend a year working on that. And da-da, there it is. And, and that, was, that was marketing. And increasingly, your job is to... Um, get your message out there in more creative ways and I think marketing now is much more about creating pieces of really engaging content that have the message of your brand somewhere within that content. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, particularly working in, in, in TV um, as well, obviously content's at the heart there. But I'd just say, you know, with, with your brand that you're working for, I think it's worth thinking about, you know, at Channel 4 we have a remit for innovation, we have a remit for taking creative risks. Um, so I love my job there because we can do these kind of big, ambitious projects. So, you know, there's lots of brands out there that have that kind of ethos. But I think if that's what you care about, if you want to be making really cool, creative stuff, then you need to partner with the right brands, whether that's agency side or, or in-house marketing. And also, I mean, creative technologist, what the... Can you explain what that means? <laughs> I still haven't been caught out. I got away with that one. Um, yeah, so uh, my... To sort of explain my role now, it probably is good to look back. I started off as design, studied design at uni, and then went through um, and realized I was rubbish at design, but quite enjoyed computers, and um, then became a developer and worked as a developer for a few years. 
Um, and then from that realized that actually there was, there was somewhere in between the two, which at the time was really controversial. It was kind of you're either a developer back then or you were a creative. Yeah. Um, and then worked at an agency at the time and realized that there's this huge gap to fill in between the two, which is trying to do very similar role to Crystals actually, which is trying to sort of work with the creatives and, and then find out technically and feasibly how you actually build that, that kind of um, result. And so now I've, I've then got the job at Microsoft and worked as a creative technologist at Microsoft, working on these kind of briefs. We've done all sorts of crazy things. We obviously you know, work with these guys to bring um, uh, synths to, to life on Regent Street. We've also worked with the likes of John Lewis to build in-store toy machines where kids could bring their toys and we brought them to life um, so they could dance with their own toys. Um, we've built websites that age you, make you look 60, so you think more about your pensions. Really, the blank canvas that we were talking about earlier on, it's just looking at a creative issue and this was why this one was so cool because it was just such a simple idea um, you know how do you bring synthetic humans into our into our life um, and then we try and think of any technology that could do that where the audience is and then try and bring it to life in a, in a way that's compelling and different um, using trying to really push the boundaries of technology and do that a well now as well so it feels that um, it's kind of really audience focused now all of, you know all, all of your three disciplines, actually. Um, and it really is starting with the, you know, the viewer, the user um, first, and then kind of working back, and like you're saying, sense-checking mm. everything, and, yeah. you know, with quite a high, high bar of Yeah, don't, of take, quality. don't take their attention for granted. You have to impress mm. them. You have yeah. to earn the right to have that conversation. Which leads really nicely to you lot, our audience. So we're going to throw open the floor now um, for questions. Has anyone got a question? Don't yep. be shy. Brilliant. <coughs> hey, um, this is potentially a question for Chris, Laura, and Arthur. Um, I saw that for our we're starting to push out personalised adverts for the new a new Alien film, uh, where they would actually say, Jack, run. Um, and obviously my name was Run, and I was logged into for at the time. Um, but I was wondering how you automate this. How you automate this, is that? Yeah. Oh, so that's um, yeah, project that's that Channel Four works on. We're we're um, we're not on that project, so I don't know the detail of that. But I'll yeah. try and find out for you. But it's very cool. It's quite freaky. I had a go yeah. the other day. <laughs> yeah, the personalisation is a big thing now. I think like with uh, I think not just not just on uh, all four. I think on other platforms as well. I think people are just trying to make you take notice. It's that thing of you know people are switching off from ads, but as soon as you see your name, it's like oh my god, <laughs> what's going on? Um, so it talks directly <coughs> to you. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know how they've made that work. Any more? I have two questions. Um, okay. I love the campaign. One, where does legal fit into this? Obviously, because you know it's so innovative. But obviously, uh, yeah. So just oh, that, yeah. and then we the had second. Many conversations <laughs> We're not, with legal, with our legal team, with the ASA, the Advertising Standards Authority, the the guys that um, the, the guys that kind of clear cast as well, the guys that approve all ads that go on TV. We had many conversations. Um, the, it was difficult, I would say, because you're not supposed to do advertising that can yeah, genuinely, yeah. Um, the, the, the hashtag that we had and the fact that the URL drove you to the resolve was what swung it for us. 
Um, but yeah, we had to be on the alert. So if the campaign had gone out and people had actually reacted with genuine alarm, we, we had to promise that we would pull everything immediately and, and, and reassure the world that the robots weren't coming for you. So, <laughs> yeah. But lots, but you know, it was, it was a, because it was so fun and because it wasn't anything ultimately harmful, I think I was quite surprised actually that the legal people we were talking to, they wanted to help us, they wanted us mm. to find the loopholes and they actually helped us find ways to get around the rules. Mm. I, I think the, the, the end of my role, quite often, nearly all of these jobs, we should be focusing on the technology and you find yourself spending so much time kind of trying to figure that out. For the right reasons, it needs to be done. You know, you can't do, you, you know, you've got to be careful what you do, especially with, you know, privacy and data and, and all those different elements. But the, to, to just to echo your answer, it's just work. You just have to keep going through and go at iterations and different versions. Is it, would this work? Would this work? Would this work? And then eventually you get something that you can kind of... The Channel 4 legal team are also awesome. Like they, yeah. they don't, they don't just go. No, they, they, they're really creative in coming up with ways that you can do what you're trying to do. So it's like, oh, well, you want to try and do this? We could do it like this, and they come with suggestions and help you do what you're trying to do creatively. So it's really useful. Yeah, it goes back to what I was saying about you know it's the culture of the company you work for, the brand you're working for. You know, our, our lawyers are there to help us do crazy things and take creative risks. And one thing I've learned as well, just jumping on that, is that this has taken me many years to figure this out, but is that legal isn't yes or no, mm. that it's a grey area and a lot of it is about risk. So you will learn over time that, that actually, as long as what you're doing is good and it's not, you know, you, you haven't got any great big open holes where you're leaving yourself open to be sued or somebody to get angry at you, generally you're all right. So a lot of, a lot of legal actually is common sense and then it's just making sure you get it sense checked by a lawyer to make sure that what you're doing there is yeah. you haven't missed anything. No, I've got, I've, you know, and you have to have bosses as well who are kind of like willing to let you mess up. I've messed up before. I've got a letter with my name on it from the ASA saying your ad is banned for something else that will remain nameless. So, yeah, <laughs> but I'm still at Channel 4, so they've not found me yet. <laughs> cool. And um, just my second question was, um, so I love this campaign, but obviously this was done on such a big scale with so many different teams. Are there any campaigns that have been done on shorts or small projects such as web series that you've admired for digital kind of innovation or just campaigns that you thought, wow, that's really cool um, doing what we do, but on a low budget, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've got one I can think of, which is recent, so that's, that's why it's in my memory. Um, although I can't remember who it was for, that's probably not a good one. <laughs> um, but it was, it was a... That small. <laughs> it, was, um, it was a breast cancer awareness campaign, which was, I think, uh, done this year, where what they did was they got regular women to take photographs with one breast exposed, and then they put them on social media, and obviously with Facebook and Twitter, they, they take pictures down when you see breasts, but then the hashtag was um, check it before it's gone. So as they were coming down, they would put more and more up, and then people were getting involved saying, you should stop taking these down because it's for raising awareness, and then obviously press pick it up, and it's, you know, it's not expensive. You just do like a photo shoot. It's just a really smart idea, really great hashtag, um, get it out there, and then suddenly people are talking about it. So I thought that was really smart. There's some quite cool stuff at the moment with, um, there's, I can't think of the name, it's a drama in Sweden, it's got a Swedish name, but it's a drama about teenagers, and they're just doing some really, I don't know, do anyone know that in here, I don't know, they're doing some really cool stuff with um, the characters taking on, um, you know, another life in social media, so you can sort of follow the story outside of the drama itself and kind of watch the stories unfold on Instagram through their, through what, following their different feeds, and it's quite cool. I think mine are just some really simple, scrappy little creative tech projects that I've seen before, uh, like one where they changed um, 
the brief was to try and get people to take the stairs instead of taking the elevator because it was better for their health. So they made the stairs into a piano. So as you walked up, you could play a song. Um, another cool one was about uh, landmines that I saw a little while ago where it was so simple and so cheap, but it was basically a sticky... Uh, uh, it, was, it would look like the floor. So imagine you took a photograph of this floor and then there was a sticker with that printed on top of it that you put on the floor, but the sticky side was on this side. So you walked past, you didn't see anything, and then you suddenly you feel something on your foot, which is it's got stuck to your foot, and actually turn it over and there's a landmine on the other side, and it's about you know, alerting people to how easy it is and how these things happen. Like super simple and super cheap, but just playing with technology in new ways and looking at ways you could kind of think differently. And sometimes I say, you, know, you can do them very affordably. Mm. I think a lot of these ideas, like as long as there's a simple idea, because even with our campaign, it was still a simple idea of just what if, the, of what if you could buy these products. Like the simplest ideas are always the best, and then you can make those ideas as big as you want based on your yeah. budget. Yeah. Strong, clean, simple idea. Uh, so it's kind of similar because talking about doing things on a lower budget, but sort of uh, what the budget was around this campaign and obviously how that gave you more freedom to do it. Yeah, sure. It's actually, you'd probably be surprised. At, I can't give away the exact details. It's confidential, but it's budget's a lot less than you would think. And remember somebody saying, well, of course, you know, if you've got the budget to buy a store on Regent Street, of course mm -hmm. you can do cool things. We didn't buy a store on Regent yeah, Street. This was, um, this was somebody in our media agency desperate to make this kind of store idea work, just walking around some of the big streets in London and just saw that this store was closing down and was going to have a week when it was out of action before the new store came in and just said, do you know what, we'll give you a really small amount of money if we can put a hoarding up on front and worked, again, really closely with the, with the team at Regent Street and, and made that happen. Uh, which is, you know, how we got to do the amazing storefront stunt. But you might think that that was a huge buy in terms of the media spend. It was really relatively small, and the earned media we got from the coverage was absolutely worth, you know, we couldn't have got that coverage if we'd paid for it. So, it, you know, it was a bit of a gamble in sort of going for this sort of earned media approach, but it paid off. Um, obviously, with a campaign like this, it's absolutely huge. Um, so I'm not sure, was this show originally sort of written for you guys at Channel 4 to get the rights from the beginning? I'm just sort of wondering, at what point do you start having the conversations about the campaign? And where in the production do you start sort of talking about it? Because obviously, if you're sort of coming up with ideas that are then going to link back to the show, did your campaign ideas ever have any impact on the way that production did things? Or had everything already been shot and you had to work with the material that was already there? that kind of thing we tend to start working on something from when it's been commissioned so and actually our campaigns sometimes start running before the show's even been delivered um, so we will often uh, the, the most important thing is to have a meeting first and foremost with the production company and just download as much as we can from them and I think that was really important with this project was just getting kudos on board right from the start um, but yeah, so we just keep, you know, every time there's a script, every time there's some rough footage, we just keep that coming in, sharing that between all the parties working on it, and hopefully your campaign will evolve to be the right tone and, and, and uh, ideas to fit with the show. Um, but no, I'd love it if we kind of got the show and it was all done and dusted and we could, you know, watch it first. But yeah, we have to work in parallel. But that's why we work so closely and collaboratively, and I think that's a good process, yeah. And uh, they did actually... Um, dial up persona a little bit more in the script as it went on because we were making such mm. a big thing of it at launch. I think they showed one of our ads in it. Yeah. Didn't they? yeah. I think they yeah. went back in post and added one of the things that we'd made. 
so that it was in the background afterwards, because <laughs> yeah, I love the campaign so much. So I'll, I'll put some more in it. Well, I'm afraid we are drawing to a close. We're running out of time. But um, just give me a couple of minutes to say um, some thank you. So first of all, thank you to our panel. Can we have a round of applause?